This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Kia ora and welcome to Creatively Wired. This broadcast is on Free FM 89.0 and is also available wherever podcasts are found. Creatively Wired is a moment in time where we chat with artists about what makes them tick. We will explore the way they work, what they are thinking about, and the many varied nuances of the creative process. Make yourself comfortable and let's have a chat with some awesome people who are creatively wired. Kia ora everyone and welcome back to another episode of Creatively Wired. I am once again joined by my colleague Paul Bradley and today we have the absolute pleasure and joy of talking with visual artist Rachel Kitty McClure. I think I got those names the right way around. Yep, that's right. Awesome. Um, so Rachel is a visual artist who does uh, painting and printmaking and craft and object and stitching and all kinds of other wild and wonderful things um, and she's going to tell us a little bit about her work and the thought process processes behind it and the creative process and all other fascinating things that we get stuck into on this talk. So Rachel, yes, how's it going? Really good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, it's good to, good to have you here. Um, shall we start? Maybe like, you could tell us a little bit about... Um, Maybe just a bit about who you are and how you got into doing the things that you do. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm originally from Hamilton um, and I grew up here and went to school in Hamilton and um, did a Bachelor of Media Arts at Wintech and painting and then went on to Waikato Uni and did a teaching diploma and um, yeah became an art teacher for about 10 years um, yeah different schools in Hamilton um, mostly Melville High School and yeah I've taught a little bit overseas in South Korea and I've traveled a bit and yeah I've ended up back home and yeah married and two kids and making art awesome <laughs> yeah and your your teaching was art teaching wasn't it yeah yeah, yeah. so mainly painting and um, a little bit of photography. Yeah. 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 Cool. And I mean, Jeremy gave us a bit of a rundown on your art forms, which is quite a quite a list. <laughs> it's changed a lot. <laughs> yeah. And recently, um, you had a show, What Happened to Me Yesterday, mm-hmm. at the Nancy Cager Gallery. Yeah. And that was quite heavily craft-focused, um, that one, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Lots of embroidery, cross-stitch, um, yeah, object-making. Yeah. Yeah. It was an awesome show. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that show? And I guess like, yeah, and, and kind of where that came from. Mm-hmm. So that is like a body of work that's just come about from the last like three or four years um, of my making practice. Um, and it's a show about um, like being an artist and becoming a mother and um going through all those like identity changes of becoming a mum and where your art practice fits into that. And um, also I went through um, 
like postnatal depression with my second baby. So it's sort of um, making art and moving back into craft helped me to get through that period of my life. So it's, yeah, it's the outcome of, of all of those years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, um, it, it was a really, in lots of ways, one of the things that really impressed me about the show is the, I mean, obviously the work itself, but it's very vulnerable kind of aspect to it. And, uh, you know, you mentioned postnatal depression, and I know that, like, lots of people, well, I, I, I heard that people were really resonating with that as well through their own experiences. Yeah. When they, when they saw the work. So, obviously, it was, you know, work that came from yourself, but it really spoke to a lot of people. Yeah. It's the first time I've been really vulnerable with my work and it's the first time that I've felt like I'm making work about something, mm. like something that's important to me. And um, yeah, before this, I was mainly doing painting and I always felt like not like a real artist because I didn't really, I was just making work that looked nice for people's homes. I didn't feel like I had anything to say about anything, but this is the first show where, yeah, I have had something to say and, um, yeah, I felt so vulnerable. But I didn't feel vulnerable until probably, like, the week before the opening when I I got the publication printed and I got it back and I read through it and I said to my husband, Craig, I said, I started crying and I was like, I don't... I feel so vulnerable. Like, people mm. are reading this text and it's like my journal entries and all these people are going to read it. But I felt so supported as well and so many people, like men and women, with children, without children, said, um, you know, like, commented to me that, yeah, it was they could feel that and they appreciated that vulnerability. So it was a nice affirmation. Yeah. So you're shifting around... It, so you're thinking around it shifted after then or were yeah. you still like oh what am I doing oh I was like oh what am I doing and up until like the opening and <laughs> yeah. after the opening <laughs> yeah you're like phew survived yeah, nothing, yes. nothing terrible happened yeah definitely <laughs> yeah I mean you know for me it's an interesting thing vulnerability and I, I really admire artists that put that into their work and I also think there's something about being vulnerable which is also really powerful and yeah. which sort of seems a bit like a like oxymoron, but I think there's something about claiming that space and that voice that is does have a, a real strength in it. Yeah. Yeah. I f- yeah, I feel that too. And now when I look, like I look back at that body of work and I think, oh man, like I feel like I've come so far. Like I remember when I was making that piece of work and how I felt and I don't feel like that anymore. Mm. Um. Wow. So it's like a nice wee reminder of that journey that I've been on. Yeah. Yeah. And did you start making... Were, were you kind of conscious of what that journey would be when you started making that work? Or was it just like, this is my life right now and these are all the thoughts that I'm having, so I'm just going to put that into my art? Yeah. It actually started with... Um, I was feeling really like frustrated that I couldn't make art anymore with having two wee babies. And... So I just turned back to craft, like I turned to cross-stitch, just as like, just a little something to do, um, that I could do a few stitches and if a baby woke up, I could chuck it under the couch and, um, you know, it would be safe. It wasn't like paints everywhere and 
having to have like a couple of hours. It was just like little something that I could work on for myself. Yeah, like a little mini break away from being a mum. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, and it just grew from there in terms of like changing my practice to more craft base. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting, and it makes a lot of sense because it is, you know, painting obviously has a big setup, and then washing brushes and all that sort of stuff. Um, <laughs> I, you know, it's, it's interesting that it makes me wonder as you're saying that whether the kind of history of craft as something that is at least seen as a as more sort of a domestic type art form, um, if that's why, you know, because it is something that can be kind of picked up and put down and more readily than other art forms. Yeah, maybe. Mm. Yeah. I've never thought about that before. It's mm. interesting because it looks quite delicate and fragile, mm -hmm. but then you, the way you describe the process of making it is really robust. It's like, oh, oh I'll just throw it under the couch and yeah. like, <laughs> there's, no, there's nothing precious about it. Yeah. But when it's finished and it's this really beautiful, delicate thing with all these kind of intricate stitching, I mean, the, the, the big kind of framed cross-stitch mm -hmm. piece, it's just so stunning. Um, and it looks... It looks like it's this really kind of um, delicate, vulnerable piece of cloth. Yeah. But it has this kind of inherent strength and oh, resilience yeah. to it. Yeah, for sure. And like you look closely and there's like red wine spilt on it. And <laughs> <laughs> all sorts. <laughs> cool. And, I, you know, often I think... I think people are catching up with your idea of what craft is, but I think sometimes when you say craft, people think of traditional. Yeah. Um, so I think it's worth pointing out as well that this is very much not traditional. Uh, yeah. This is um, pillows with beautiful, ornate, giant poops yeah. um, on them. <laughs> it's um, all sorts of materials, not, definitely not traditional. It's a lot, lot of glitter. Yeah. Tassels. Of, it's spectacular. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've got fluoro. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was part of my intention was I wanted to, like, talk about these serious issues about um, postnatal depression and um, you're changing your identity, becoming a mother and a parent. And, but then also I really wanted to make sure that the humour was in there and that's partly why, um, yeah, I've chosen those bright materials and that kind of kitsch aesthetic is a big part. Because that life. seems like it connects with your previous painting yeah. work as well. Like that's the kind of, or one of the through lines between the yeah. previous painted work and the new work. Yeah, and I think that's part of my personality as well. Like I love colour, I love pattern, I love like pattern on pattern, like, yeah. I love, um, my favourite artists are Judy Dara and um, Grayson Perry. Mm. Um, yeah, I can see that in, yeah. in your work, yeah. 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 And I, I mean, for me, I think the, the bright colours and the glitter and the fake pearls, all that kind of stuff, it kind of provides, well, it definitely, I think it provides a way in for lots of people. Because I think, you know, if you're dealing with some quite heavy topics, particularly, and in, in the whole show, it's not like the whole show is about this, but yeah. the things like depression, um, if it looked like depression, then people might kind of resist it, you yeah. know, whereas if it looks like a party, yeah. <laughs> that it actually kind of draws you in, yeah. and then you, it, it, that has an interesting interplay with those kind of other topics as well, I think. Yeah, and that's like the funny, like, that's the humour as well of being a parent, it's like, oh, 
God, I just stood in poo again today and bare feet, you know, like, <laughs> and you just, you have to laugh or, yeah, yeah. or yeah. you cry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the things that are in the show um, are a collection of awards. Mm -hmm. You want to tell us a little bit about the, the kind of genesis of that and, and, and what that means as part of the process? Yeah, so I started making the awards... Um, I was thinking about how, because I, I've always been quite career driven and I was never a person who really, really wanted children, but I love kids and I've been a teacher and I, I'm a good mum and a good, yeah, but um, to come from having a solid career to being a stay-at-home mum it was just like it just got me thinking about how we value stay-at-home parents um, and how that is changing now. Um, and yeah, so I started to make myself little awards for all those little things that you do every day, like five times a day, picking up food off the floor, squash banana everywhere around my house. Um, yeah, those little things, yes, I made little awards for myself, um, yeah. I love that. Did you, did you wear them? On those no, I've or, never no. worn them. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, in terms of your painting practice prior to, prior to this, um, what was the kind of kickstart for that, the, the kind of aesthetic that your painting work had? Hmm. I I think it just kind of evolved um, quite naturally. Um, when I was at art school, I was working like really, like really abstract work, um, and I didn't know what I was making work about. And um, and then it just slowly moved to use like still using those abstract shapes and things, but more brighter colours. And then it moved to adding text on top with heavy outlines and pattern came into it. And um, I got a few commissions from, like, friends and family. Um, yeah, and it just evolved from there. Um, but, yeah, as I say, they, they weren't about anything. Like, it might have been a word like love or, you know, something corny or, you know, I don't know. <laughs> and how did you find, like, going from pure abstraction, which was about something or nothing or whatever, yeah. to a word, whether it's corny or not, it has an inherent meaning. Yeah. It, was there a kind of conceptual shift there, or did you see the single word as being a part of an abstract? Yeah, I guess now that you asked me that and I think about it, the shift was like thinking about that word and then thinking about like really personal little narratives that go along with that. So, um, like for example, um, I, I do a, like roses are a big thing in my work, and that's like to do with my grandparents' house. They always had heaps of roses, and all us grandkids got a cutting from my granddad's rose bush, and you know, like it's all like quite family. Narratives or also things that I've picked up from overheard conversations. 
And like teaching was just so great for that. Like hearing what teenagers say. <laughs> it was just so funny. And I just thought I have to use that in a painting. Like it's amazing. So yeah. And then that's sort of when the humour came into it as well. These little snippets of little stories and, and things. That's awesome. Yeah. And so when you um, thinking about this this most recent body of work, and you've talked about needing to have something that was robust and easy to kind of put away and pick up again, and also about it being about this kind of sense of um, personal development and, and, and growth and vulnerability and things. Mm -hmm. Is there a particular creative process that you employ on a regular basis, or is it in response to the, the idea and the amount of time you have available? Um, yeah, I usually start off with like a little sentence or like a title for a work in my head and then it will grow from there and it will be sort of like, okay, what's the story behind that? And I might write down like a page about, huh. about that and what the work would be about. And then I think about like signs and symbols that I could use to, um, to show that in the work without being like it's you know yeah. um, too you know obvious but um, yeah and then it builds from there. Wow. And I sometimes I'll plan out like the main structure of like where I want things in the work like I want the text at the bottom and you know this on the left hand side but that's just the main parts and then I leave the rest just to as as it comes. Yeah, as I'm working on it. So I never really have a plan at the beginning of this is what the finished piece will look like because it never looks like that anyway. <laughs> Interestingly, though, with you starting from title and story, yep. do you find that, that because you've kind of gone through that background process, that means that you're, if you kind of get to the end of that stage you will complete the work? Like some artists will kind of sketch and change and oh. do a whole lot of other stuff, but if you've got this kind of really clear narrative yeah. and lineage, then then those works get yeah. completed. Yeah, definitely. Because I don't have time right. to faff around. Not faff around, <laughs> like I'm not, you know. I, to meander. <laughs> yeah, like I have so many ideas for works of art that, yeah, I do kind of have to list them down and group them into like potential shows and themes and then I just get on with it and make it. Mm. Yeah. That's fascinating. So you've got like a, a kind of roller decks of of stories that yeah, become I have art, a, artworks. I have a Trello board. Oh that, right. Yeah, cool. of like different different they're not fully exhibition proposals yet, but they're like ideas for shows and what work I want to make for that. Wow. Yeah. Well, is that a new development, or is that like you've always kind of worked in that quite methodical way? Um, I think it's... I have always been... Like, I am quite methodical, but this is much more now. Yeah. It's a post-kids approach. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating. And interesting that, you know, <clears throat> being short of time... Some people, I think, manage to turn that into a strength of sorts, or... Yes. You know, at least you kind of... Um, 
are highly valuing the time you've got. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you have a plan when you go into the studio of, or if you have an hour to do stitching, okay, and you have a goal of like, this is how much I want to get done today. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've made so much more work in the last five or four years than I think I ever had. Wow, that's so kind of good, yeah. And is there a part of like making the work that is kind of also, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but almost like sort of balancing out the, the, the mothering thing or it becomes like something just for yourself? Yeah, you know? it's especially the stitching, it is like meditation right. for me, like because I do it by myself, which is another thing I've sort of read, like I hear about um, like craft being quite like a community-based activity where groups would get together and, and work together. But like I'm quite an introvert, so I like being by myself and working by myself. So yeah, um, it, yeah, it has become like meditation. I can just zone out and stitch and... Yeah. It's relaxing. Yeah. Yeah. So do you do that like in silence or are you... I listen to a podcast or um, Netflix or um, YouTube. Yeah. 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 Cool. And so do you have a regular schedule, like scheduled time that you're creating? Like are you doing more in the mornings or evenings or is it just kind of whenever it happens to be available? No, I've tried having a schedule but I can never keep to it because... It's just like, I can't do work if the house is a hot mess and there's like stuff everywhere. So I, it, I've tried that, but it doesn't work for, for me. So um, I just do it when I can. Um, if mum's got the kids for a night, then yeah, I'll spend the day and the night working on art. Um, evenings... Um, but I find I get I work really slow in the evenings because I'm like really tired. Um, but yeah, I I just like to have like a little piece of work, like a cross stitch around the house, so I can just like quickly do like I'll be like okay I'm going to do five stitches and I'll quickly do five stitches and then put it away and and yeah. All oh, right, so it might be as as brief as that. Yeah, it might be like a minute or two minutes. Amazing. Yeah, but it's like my little saviour, like oh just do this for a little minute. And then, yeah, yeah, that's so great. <laughs> I mean, it's a, a, yeah, I find it fascinating because it's so different from a lot of artists. They have to put aside a day or, you know, at least a few hours or whatever and, and kind of yeah. immerse yourself in it and blah, blah, blah. It's just like... I used to be like that. I used to, when I was teaching, I'd be like, school holidays, I would paint for two weeks solid and then not paint again for, you know, like two or three months. Mm. And... But, yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> and in some ways that's harder to maintain, I think, for yeah. some people than doing stuff regularly. Yeah. Because you kind of stay in it if you're doing it regularly. Yeah, for mm. sure. So when you're working on a cross-stitch piece that you're doing maybe two minutes here and there, mm -hmm. the visual composition of that, mm -hmm. because it's kind of one dot at a time, essentially, yeah. how does, does that morph substantially over time or you kind of... Because I imagine you've got to have a pretty clear idea of what you're stitching when you're stitching it. Yeah. So I usually start with a border. And because it's quite repetitive, um, it's just you're doing the same thing over and over. So, um, yeah, I'll start with the border and then I'll start with, like, okay, what text do I want 
in there and where do I want it and I'll put the text in and then I'll sort of compose it like where the main elements are going to be. Um, yeah. And then I just like, it's almost like paint by numbers. You, sh you, you fill out the structure yourself and then you just fill it in with your stitching. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I guess, what is part of what allows you to just grab it and do two minutes because you're yeah. not actually having to make decisions in yeah. those two minutes. Yeah. That, that can happen at a separate time, maybe maybe when you've got more time. Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah. yeah. So the two minutes might be just, I'm filling this bit in blue or whatever. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Mm. That's really fascinating. And the... The part that like the outline, you yeah you're setting it you're sort of developing that you've got the it's idea got of, a kind rough of key idea. things, but the rest of it is emerges as it emerges. Yep, yeah. <laughs> so fascinating. Mm. So with the um, the show you had recently, did that finishing that did that sort of put a like a full stop after that work, or are you do, are you just Continuing on with the momentum of, of that? Um, I'm trying to... Um, yeah, I'm trying to... Like, what's the word? Um, like, how do I... Because that was... I felt like that was a really great show for me. So how do I move... Um, you know, springboard onto something else from mm. that? Yeah. Um, so I have sort of put a full stop there. Um, but my work, I've got ideas for a couple of other bodies of work and it's still like really narrative-based and about things that have happened in my life. But um, like I've got an idea for a show of um, like making some wooden structured shrines. Oh, wow. And so they're going to be, um, there's going to be the mother shrine and then there's going to be one called Play and one called Peace and it's about that... Um, it's about that idea of being a parent and an artist and that um, that juxtaposition of like wanting to play with your kids and be the best parent in that and then also wanting peace. Like it's, mm. it's such like a conflicting thing. Like at the end of the day and my three-year-old says, Mum, do you want to play with me? And like I don't want to play but I want to be a good mum and like, I love him and I do want to play with him. Yeah, so it's those conflicting... Yeah. It's like, no, I want to lie on the couch and drink my gin and tonic. <laughs> 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 That's what I really want to do, but I'll play Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess, you know, taking that time for yourself is part of what makes you a happier person and a better mum anyway. Yeah, right? yeah, It just exactly. is maybe not as obvious... Um, to your son that it benefits him for you to be on the couch versus being Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's all those conflicting emotions and that feeling, like those guilty feelings and, um, mm. yeah. So I'm going to, I'm making like sort of shrines and um, how we value, yeah, how we value mums and parents and um, the shrines are going to have like little inboxes where people can post messages um, you know, to or about or whatever they want about, um, yeah, valuing of um, parenthood. Because, like, you know, I know my work's a lot to do with being a mother, but also, like, fathers are mothers as well. And there's mm -hmm. different, like, different family setups and, um, you know, nanas are mothers and granddads are mothers and 
people who don't have children are mothers as well. And that was another thing in my work that I wanted to, um, like, I really didn't want to exclude people who don't have children. Um, yeah, because that just because someone doesn't have children doesn't mean that they're not maternal. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I wanted the show to be inclusive of that as well. And, yeah, so I'm working on another piece about that. Mm. Um, yeah, and it's about, like, when you become a mother, like, your friends who don't have kids, it's like, don't forget about me. And so <laughs> I got that song, you know, that song, don't you oh, yeah, forget. Yeah. I got that running through my head, so that's an idea for a piece of work. So yeah. that's how my work, like, progresses. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, went off topic. No, no, that's, <laughs> on a tangent. It's totally on topic. And so the the shrines are kind of celebrating or elevating those those kind of spaces. Is 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 that kind of where that's at? Saying that these things are all important. Or yeah, 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 yeah that's cool. And I, and I like the the, I, the interactive thing that you're moving into of people. Yeah. Because obviously you got a lot of feedback from the last show of people, you know. Yeah. Um, seeing themselves in the work, so this is actually a way for them to contribute to the work. Yeah. In a sort of more, even you know, greater extent. Yeah. So I want the shrines to kind of look like bird boxes, but bigger versions where you can like open and close the doors, so it'll awesome. be people can actually touch them, and they're going to be kitsch and glitter and lights and yeah, exciting. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> We're going to take a short break and then we'll be back with more from Rachel Kitty McClure. But first we asked her for one of her favourite songs that we could play and this is what she had to say about it. What, what is it about this song? It's about this chick that's a, just a belter, like a bloody great chick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the song is Belter by Jerry Cinnamon. After that we'll be back with more Creatively Wired. She is a belter. 
catch it each bit When I'm high above the shelf Lost inside the smoke ring While I ponder to myself Is she the answer To the question in my mind Is happiness an option Or is love just on me blind Is she a belter No happy endings Unless fairy tales come true But she looks like a princess And there's not much else to do I think I love her She gets underneath my skin But I've been stuck a few times So I don't let no one in No even built up She is a built It sounds like you have heaps and heaps of creative ideas and, and you're constantly kind of bursting with new things to explore. Um, do you ever get creatively stuck? Um... Only when there's an idea in my head that I want to execute, but I don't quite know how, um, like, because I don't have the, the building knowledge or, or things like that. Um, but that's when I can utilise the people around me to help me. Um, yeah, like my husband, who's an artist, and um, my brother-in-law's um, a builder, and he makes um, really awesome wakaama paddles. And so he's really skilled in um, making like really fine things out of wood. And that's, um, I'm about to approach him to help me make some stuff. And <laughs> yeah, so nice. yeah. So you don't get cr creatively stuck as such, it's more just... I think I used to, but just the last four years, I've just got so many ideas and I feel like I'm so short of time that I, I haven't. That's great. Yeah. Don't have time to get stuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those, those two minutes of creative activity don't, don't allow for things to be stuck. Yeah. You've just got to get stuck in and do it. Yeah. But I used to when I didn't know what I wanted to make work about mm. and I was like really confused and yeah. And then I'd get to points where I'd be like, I don't even want to make art anymore. But now that I've found my little niche of what I'm making work about, yeah, I mm. don't get stuck as much. I love that. I mean, I, th I think one of the narratives we hear a bit is that when people have kids, then they have to give up stuff, right? So, And mm -hmm. I'm sure that is part of it because anything we do in life that becomes mm -hmm. a big part of it, something else has to give. Mm -hmm. But, you know, often people sort of lament giving up their art practice or whatever, mm -hmm. or, or at least that's the kind of... I, I think that is common, actually. And there's definitely, you know, a, yeah. a, a strong narrative around that. But I think this is such a great story of, like, creativity obviously being incredibly important to you and not only has have, have you not let it go, but it's actually, like, you've increased it yeah. <laughs> significantly. Yeah. Yeah, I, I imagine there'll be some people who'll find that quite inspiring as a counter story to that other narrative. Yeah. Yeah. And I you know, I think that that's the strategy of like, well, if your life is so full of kids and mothering, then it makes sense to make the work about that. Yeah. I remember talking to another artist about that who was yeah, working full time as a 
lecturer and then had a couple of young kids and it was just like, he, he makes a lot of graphic novels and he, that was his approach. It's like, now all my graphic novels are about my, my family life and the weird stuff that happens. It's yeah, like, so there's nothing weird. else actually, <laughs> for him he was like, there's nothing else actually happening in my life so at the moment, <laughs> well, they're super young, so. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot of interesting truths and, and kind of ideas to explore in that um, hyper-reality or that kind of really focused kind of pinpoint on specific elements of reality that allow you to kind of delve deep mm-hmm. and reveal interesting truths that are unique to your experience but also are universal in some way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and also like that whole um, idea of like what a mother should look like and be and, and all of that through like Instagram and social media and and it's like yeah so I'm glad I get like the opportunity to say in my work it's not like that like there's poo everywhere and there's rice bubbles everywhere (laughs) and (laughs) Um, can we talk a little bit about the the prints that were in the show Mm -hmm. Um, the the black on white and I don't know whether this is me reading into it or, or not, but they feel a little bit like they could be gang patches. Yeah. Like, what? You're not reading into <laughs> it. <laughs> so, so what's going on there? Oh, that's exactly what they are, yeah. Cool. Yeah, they're like gang patches, like, because when you become a mum, you can do anything. Like, you're so strong. And I just feel like we don't value the strength of women, like, physically having a baby like the power in that is crazy yeah and so it was about that creating that like yeah we're a gang and you know gonna get some leather jackets and like well well my I do have an idea for another body of work which is embroidering those gang patches onto the backs of dressing gowns (laughs) because like when I first had my babies um I'd just live in my dressing gown all the time and so, yeah, that was like my gang jacket. <laughs> <laughs> You'll feel an extra bit of power when you put it on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah, and then, um, so I had six drawings initially, and then when we went, when I went to Nancy Cager Gallery and um, Craig and I looked through all the work and we set it out, he said to me, oh, he said, you know what would be good? Another six of these drawings and set them up like um, how, um, what are, I can't remember what they're called, those sheets in like tattoo studios. Oh, yeah. oh flash sheets. Flash yeah. sheets, yeah, yeah, like so it kind of reflected that as well. So, yeah, that was part of that aesthetic. Nice. You might get, what, you know, massive one tattooed on your back or something. <laughs> 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 That's, that's that's the next level of commitment to your art. Yeah. <laughs> well, not quite there yet. <laughs> and so th- you made another six. Mm-hmm. How quickly are you making another six works before? Um, probably like show? three weeks, three or well, four weeks. Yeah. So once you've kind of got the ideas and, and kind of what you're doing, the work flows quite quickly. Yeah, and they're all sort of like narrative-based Um yeah, like little stories in my head or, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about the bread tags? Yeah, so the bread tags I use like as a symbol in my work to kind of 
reflect that idea of value and how we value parenting. And, um, you know, as a mum, like, you always have to remember if there's bread in the freezer or, you know, like, you're always like, oh, have I got bread and milk? And so, so I use the bread tag, yeah, to, to like, value that, um, you know, that, like, keeping up the home, sort of, and keeping that, like, kai for your children. And and then also, like, I dip them in glitter as well to, as, as like, a way of saying, um, like, as a form of currency, mm. like, as, like, a little payment or a coin, because, you know, we don't get paid for all that, that yeah. home stuff. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So it's like, this is me paying myself in gold-glittered... Bread tags. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like sounds like a, a maybe a little bit low rate for your work, but <laughs> I love the symbol. <laughs> do Do you have places you turn for inspiration, or do you just find that there's enough inspiration coming from just life around you and yeah, that, just that life, precious time? Yeah, life around me, stories. Um, snippets of conversation I'll hear like out on the street or you know at the traffic lights um, yeah I watch a lot of documentaries so there are some like political things that are in those works um, because I became obsessed with like um, the um, you know Donald Trump and when they're trying to indict him Right. And yep. all of that. And so I was watching everything to do with that. Mm. And, um, yeah, the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, yeah, so there's little aspects of, like, politics in the work as well, mm. um, which may not be visible, but, like, I know that they're there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and podcasts and... Other artists, but yeah, my top three are Judy Dara, Grayson Perry, and the Holtham Street Ladies from Melbourne. Yeah, they're my favourite artists. And yeah, awesome. That's really cool. Um, so obviously, life is very deeply connected with your work. On the flip side of that, what do you think being an artist has taught you about life? Um, I think the main thing is to problem solve, to use like what's around you to help you solve a problem. Um, yeah, to, um, not to use the people around you, but to, um, access people around you to help you solve, I don't know, a problem or an issue or you know, mm. can be anything. Yeah. So th mm. And that also, like, mistakes are okay and it's part of the process and part of the work and part of the story and that's the same in life as well. That Yeah, those mistakes you make along the way are part of that journey. Mm. Um, yeah. So I think, like, it's kind of taught me to be easy on myself as well when you do make mistakes and things. Um yeah. That's great. Those are great lessons to, to yeah. take. <laughs> yeah. Um, so 
you've got all these ideas for shows and and everything coming up. Is there a really like dream long term project or opportunity that that's kind of on that you've got oh, your eye on on the horizon? Yes, um, there's a place right up the top of Canada, sort of by Nova Scotia, called Fogo Island, and they do and there's a Fogo Island Inn, and um, I saw a documentary on it, and they do art scholarships. Um, uh, not scholarships. Um, residencies? Residencies, yeah. They do a couple of those a year, and, like, that is my dream. Mm. Yeah. Why there? Um, well, I saw this documentary on it, mm. and um, they have, like, a woodworking shop, and it's all, like, local people making all this craft work. They have, like, a... Um, like a quilters, you know, um, group that make quilts. And, like, in this big inn that they've got there, like, everything is made by local artists. So, like, the wallpaper, the bedding, um, it's just amazing. Wow. And, yeah, and so, yeah, I watched that doco when I was pregnant and then when I went through all the stuff, the mental health stuff throughout, you know, the first couple of years of my kids... Like, Fogo Island was, like, a little, like, thing that I could hang on to. Like, and I, right. I saw some of their quilts and I saw, like, the stitching that they use in some of the quilts. And so I've used that in some of my work to kind of, like, remind myself of, oh, yeah, that's what I want to do. Or, you know, I really want to go there. And, yeah. Mm. So that's a part of it as well. That's great. A maker's heaven. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you should Google it. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. One day we'll be able to travel places again. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can apply to them. Yeah. <laughs> so, what's your favourite artwork? You, you obviously, Judy Dara and, and the other one, they're, they're really key things. Is your favourite piece of art Ooh. one of theirs, or is it something different? I love Grayson Perry's tapestries. He does these massive tapestries of, um, but they're really, they're about contemporary issues and um, like big issues in society and gender and identity. And they are, well, I've only seen them online, but they're amazing. Yeah. But I think they're machine made. I'm not sure. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Does that interest you or you like the. A little bit, yeah. I've yeah. inquired around to see. Um, like what institutions have access to, um, yeah, like printing, you know, where you can scan in your image and it will sew it for you and things mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Quite, so, quite a different process than the sneak a few stitches from yeah. <laughs> under, the, under the couch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that kind of the scale that you can achieve through that manufacturing process is... Yeah. It's pretty enormous, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, I reckon that would be my favourite work. And also um, the Holtham Street Ladies, they did a really cool show in Melbourne. It was a Melbourne Now exhibition. And it was like a lounge, like a lounge room, set up like a lounge room. But, like, everything was made out of icing. So, like, the blanket on the couch looked like, and the rug on the floor looked like, like rugs and like a crochet blanket, but it was all like piped icing. Oh, wow. That was cool. 
Amazing. Yeah. Real catch and yeah. yeah, and like the smell of it as well. So I've also thought yeah. of like incorporating smell into my work. Yeah. Somehow. I can see your work going more in the area of installation and yeah. immersive and yeah. Because yeah. there'd be some great things you could do with smell with your work. Yeah. Because I'm also another thing I'm thinking about is like birthday cakes. You remember when we were all kids and we'd like look through the Women's Weekly, yeah. like oh, I'm going to have this one the this train. year, and <laughs> yeah, train, everyone yeah. wanted the train. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm thinking of doing something with that as well. Awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, so if you could travel back in time, what advice would you give yourself when you were first starting out as an artist? Um. I would say um, just keep going, like keep making stuff. Even when you think your work is crap, it's okay. Like it's okay if it is crap. Just keep making stuff because you'll just get better and better and your work will evolve from those mistakes and from those awful pieces of work and, yeah. So just keep going, keep making stuff and be nice to people. <laughs> Not that I wasn't nice to people, but... Like, that goes a long way in, in any industry. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And any, any advice for, for mums or dads or, or caregivers in general who might be struggling with, you know, how do I find time for my creativity? Mm. Um, yeah, try something different. Like, try a different um, medium. Um, I'd say, like, don't be afraid to go to use mediums that you think, like, aren't high art or, um, you know, that are too lowbrow or something. Like, just go for it. Just do what you what you want to do. Mm. Like, even if it is doing a cross-stitch and following a pattern of, like, I don't know, a mermaid or something, just do it because you don't know what will come from that. Mm. And if you enjoy it and if that's your time to you know, chill out then. Because it's not that you have to make exhibitable art yeah. to enjoy the process and to get something from that. Yeah. Yeah. And it might be that you find a new process that you really love and, um, you know, that starts you off on a whole new path. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, uh, I, yeah, totally agree. There's all sorts of different and valuable ways to be an artist or to be somebody who makes art. Um, and some people naturally they they might start on that mermaid cross stitch and they their their mind would intervene anyway, right? Mm. And then they'd give the mermaid a beard and you yeah. know, they would <laughs> that'd be glorious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some people can't help themselves. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I, I was watching something the other day on YouTube and it was a guy that was who decided he was gonna he was a bit stuck in his work and he's just gonna draw exactly the same bird every day. Mm -hmm. So there's ones that are called bin chickens. I forget what they're actually called. They're like Australian, right. like a crane or something that oh, raid yeah. all the public rubbish bins. Yeah. Anyway, it's just going to draw the same one. And you say it's actually you know impossible to just draw it straight day after day after day because you you get bored. Yeah. And actually, boredom is valuable. It, it actually brings in the creativity, and before you know it, you you know you, you ended up at a totally different place, which mm -hmm. I think is you know. I think that can happen for people as well if they just begin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Um, so one kind of like big um, 
highfalutin question to as we come close to the end. Um, for you, what role do you think the artist has in society? Oh, that huge. Is a, that is a, that is a <laughs> very highfalutin question. <laughs> oh. Oh, that's a massive question, but it gives, I think it, we give people, like we reflect themselves back at them, you know, like just from like my show, the amount of people that said, I feel, I felt exactly like that, I feel that, like I know how you feel, you know, I've been through that and um, yeah, it like lets people see that like they're not alone, that like it's a universal thing, whatever the work's about. Um, yeah. And like gives a chance like to heal yourself and help other people do that as well. And, you know, like all the street art stuff in Hamilton at the moment, like how that's changed the whole idea of our city Oh, it's just huge. Yeah. And exciting. Mm. That's a great answer. Thanks. Mm, I love that. <laughs> and that, yeah, that idea of reflecting. Because I think it's not like from thinking about the responses to your, your recent show, it's not just the reflecting, but also maybe the, the, the shifts that happen in perspective through that reflecting as well. Mm -hmm. You know, that people might be feeling a certain way. Or they they might have had that same experience, maybe feeling a certain way about it, but by then seeing that reflected, it might change how they feel about it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, which is massive, I think. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So to finish up, um, where is the best place to find out about the work that you're doing and keep up to date with exhibitions and get a hold of prints and all of those other kind of cool promotional yeah. things that we need to do well I have a website that I just made so it might I hope it looks alright <laughs> but it's rachelkittymcclure.com and then I have Instagram um, which is rachel.kitty.mcclure cool yeah I don't have Facebook um, yeah but those are the main two places awesome well, thanks for being here with us today. It's been so fascinating to uh, to chat and to hear about your journey. It's awesome. Thank you for having mm. me. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you for joining us. This show has been broadcast on Free FM 89.0 and is brought to you by Creative Waikato. Have a great day. For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.